In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. Christos voskras. You know, today, all of Ukraine is celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. I my через ефір посилаємо наші пасхальні вітання всім нашим братам і сестрам, які сьогодні святкують Великдень. І бажаємо вам глибокої і невід'ємної радості. It's a strange thing that uh, we're divided by calendars. Calendars have become very important to us. You know, I make sure that any appointment I have, they ask me, do you want a little card with a reminder? And I always say, no, I've got to put it into this calendar. If it's in here, it's for real in my fall. And it will give me an alarm and I will remember. That card I will put somewhere and I'll forget. We live by calendars. And so this calendar problem has become greater and greater. And I am, I pray that the churches find a way to uh, celebrate the resurrection of the Lord on the same day. There have been efforts at this for about a hundred years, but they have uh, never uh, ended in success. The uh, Christian East uh, largely uh, sticks to the, except for uh, people like us, largely sticks to the prescriptions of the first ecumenical council, the Council of Nicaea, established how to calculate the date of the resurrection of our Lord. And that is the calculation that is still used by all of the Orthodox churches and all of the Greco-Catholic churches in Uh, in Europe, but here we have accommodated ourselves to the majority uh, calendar. And so for us today, it is the Sunday of the Samaritan woman. Today is the So who is this Samaritan woman? Uh, Holy tradition gives us her name, Saint Fotini. Now, that is translated into the Slavic languages as Svitlana. In other words, uh, it is, it means the one who has been enlightened and now enlightens others. Ta što prosvićena, svitlana, i što inšeh prosvićuje. So that's who the Samaritan woman is. 
this woman that was enlightened and then began to enlighten others. Was she an upright, you know, morally perfect person? Uh, no, she wasn't. Uh, and Jesus makes that clear. But Jesus also makes clear that her past will be forgiven her if she turns to the living water. Now, you'll notice that last week there was the story of the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. This week we have the Samaritan woman at the well. And next week we will celebrate the man born blind who also goes and he has to use water to wash his eyes so that he can see. These Gospels uh, are all part of the mystagogy of the newly baptized. The Gospels from before, before the beginning of Lent all the way through the Great Fast uh, are all Gospels that are aimed at preparing people for baptism. Because that is when the catechumenate occurred. Now, they were instructed longer than that, but it really intensified in preparation for Pascha. Because it was at Pascha that the majority of catechumens were baptized. Actually, at the vigil service of Holy Saturday, which if any of you have attended, uh, you'll notice that it has 13 readings. And uh, most of them have something to say about water. Why so many readings? Well, there were multitudes being baptized. And... Uh, so, to keep everyone else uh, occupied, they read scripture together. Because those being baptized were baptized naked. Just like we baptize babies through full immersion, triple immersion, and we baptize them naked. Even adults were baptized naked. Why? Because you really cannot hide anything before God. You cannot hide your past, your sins, your misunderstanding of uh, the faith. You, you, you cannot hide these things. God knows you as you are. And never forget that you are no matter how much you've screwed up your life, you are the image of God. You must have noticed that every time that we give a blessing, every time that we, uh, when we open the royal doors, when we close the royal doors, what does the priest do? He bows. Is he waiting for applause? No. He is bowing to you. 
because you are the image of God. And when Father Deacon incenses all the icons on the iconostas, he also incenses you because you are the image of God. Even those who do not believe in God still are the image of God. Now there's another element, the likeness, and the likeness is something that we have to work at. We have to become more and more like God, but you will never lose the image of God in you. Boy, that's a very consoling fact. You can never get that far away from God. So here is, uh, here we have two scenes. One in the first reading uh, from uh, the Acts of the Apostles, where uh, after the persecution of the Jews, that means after the uh, the Romans began wholesale persecution and, uh, well, first the Jews had persecuted the, the Christians and then all Jews uh, were persecuted by the Romans. And it says that many of the early Christian community were dispersed and wherever they went, fleeing from the persecution. Wherever they went, they would find other Jews and they would preach the gospel to them and make converts of them. And this is a very natural impulse. People like being with people like them. And it's something that all the uh, social engineers just don't understand that we like to be with people uh, like us. Uh, for the most part, white people like being with white people, black people like being with black people, brown people like being with brown people. And they should not be divided because we have come to a point in our society that even though we live usually in our own communities and gather together in our own organizations and have our own churches, but we never are unwelcoming to uh, someone of another race. Our parish has great experience with that. We had for years Mark from Cameroon, you'll remember him, he had a beautiful voice, he sang, he served at the altar when our patriarch was here. And uh, he was just one of us, he was like a member of the family. So people seek out people who are like themselves naturally. It's not out of hatred for the others, it's out of the love for one's own. 
But we Christians have to always be on guard to never allow our affinity for people like us to stand in the way of our outreach to others. And that's a problem that the Ukrainian church uh, constantly struggles with. Ми, українці, хотіли би, щоб наша церква була такою, до якої ми привикли, особливо в молодих роках свого життя. Ми тоді вчимося молитов, ми співа, починаємо співати, ми служимо в церкві, ми, вона нам дуже близька і рідна. Українська мова, наші традиції, ми хочемо їх зберігати. І це є дуже добре. Але воно ніколи не може стати перепоною для того, щоб не тільки приймати інших, але їх настільки прийняти, що вони почуваються як свої, як члени нашої ширшої родини. І про це ходить у першому читанні з діянь святих апостолів, що почали проповідувати Євангеліє не євреям. І це спричинило певні непорозуміння, які будуть висвітлені в дальших читаннях. Але ми знаємо, як то є. Богу дякувати, в нашій парафії такого нема. Але я знав одну парафію, де хор мав репетицію, вправляв спів і прийшов якийсь неукраїнець, я навіть не знаю, якої раси він був, і щось хотів просити в них. Він був бідний, йому треба було допомоги. І раптом кілька мужчин з хору почали його бити, копати і виганяти з церкви, бо це тільки для нас, українців, церква. Ну, може, то був український клуб з тонесенькою релігійною покришкою, але це не була церква Христова. Був випадок одного священника, якісь проповідальниці, як увійшли двоє чорної раси до, до церкви під час його проповіді. Він перервав проповідь і їх вигнав. Сказав, що це для білих людей церква. Уявіть собі. Жах. Це не церква, якщо ми не приймаємо всіх. І в другому читанні з Євангелія Христос це доказує, бо Він приймає самарян, а ізраїльтяни і самаряни 
miš soboju ne male stosunki v ne sebe vzajemno nenavidili. So, in the gospel, we have a beautiful example of Jesus showing by his own deeds, not just by his words, that outreach with the good news has to go beyond that Jewish community. And he does three very troubling things. First of all, he is alone with a woman. And at that time, uh, this was considered totally unacceptable. Today, uh, we only have Vice President Pence who uh, still kept that tradition up. Um, we've forgotten that. The second troubling thing that Jesus does is that he proposes drinking together with this woman. That's Another thing that you would not do, and the third thing is, on top of everything else, she's a Samaritan. Now, who were the Samaritans? When the Assyrian Empire attacked the northern kingdom, remember David and Solomon's large kingdom was divided into two parts later. The north and the south. The north used the name Israel, the south used the name Judea. And so the Assyrian Empire attacked the north of the Holy Land and they expelled many of the Israelites from their homes and because the land was then depopulated, they brought in all kinds of other people. And those other people brought with them um, their idolatrous pagan religions. And there were five tribes who settled in the north, and they intermarried with the Israelites who were left because there were slim pickings, you know, uh, after the place has been depopulated. So they intermarried, and the, the northern Israelites began to um, accept some of these pagan practices alongside their long-standing monotheistic faith. And uh, that's why the Jews, the Judeans, those from the south, didn't want anything to do with them because they had abandoned the strict monotheism of Judaism, which was very unique in uh, the ancient world. Now, Jesus 
speaks with this Samaritan woman. Well, well, with this heretical woman, we could say, because she, like all Samaritans, had mixed the monotheistic faith of their forefathers with uh, these Id- with this idol worship that the five tribes had uh, brought with them. And Jesus' conversation with the woman is interesting. We've gotten into it in previous years. But I want to focus on one thing that you might not have noticed. When the woman says, let me go call my husband, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, he is not your husband. Indeed, you have had five men as husbands. Now, the number five corresponds to those five tribes that uh, intermarried with the northern Israelites. And so Jesus is presenting himself as the true spouse. If, you, if you've ever read the prophecy of Hosea, it's a book in which Hosea laments the fact that his wife has run off with someone else. She's become an adulteress. She's become unfaithful to him. But the message is really that Israel has become unfaithful to the Lord. The covenant relationship that exists between the people of Israel, north and south together, and God is like the covenant that exists between husband and wife. Now many people who think they are entering into Christian marriage really don't have enough of an understanding of what that is. And we don't want to condemn anyone whose marriage um, was not successful. Because it takes a lot. Uh, But it should be a covenant. And a covenant means I will always have your back. I will always support you. I will always defend you. And there are people who don't live up to that, and so that falls apart. But the larger message is that God is faithful to us. He will never turn his back on us. Scripture tells us that God does not want the death of a sinner but that he should repent and live. And repent has the the extra meaning of come back. Come back to the source of life. What Jesus is talking about when he says, if you only knew who's talking to you, you would ask him 
for water, and he would give you the living water. Now, the living water means flowing water, and of course, who wouldn't want to drink from a stream rather than from a pond of stagnant water? So Jesus is saying, this is the preferable water. And the preferable water is the water that flows unto eternal life. We use that language at the Feast of Theophany when we bless the water, not only the water in the container here, but in Ottawa, we would bless the Ottawa River, which flows into the St. Lawrence River, which flows into the Atlantic. We bless the waters of the world. The living water is what keeps us alive. We can't survive. We human beings can't survive long without water. We can go without food for uh, weeks, but we can't last more than a couple of days without water. And those of us who suffer from dry mouth given by various medications, like I do, really know a thing or two about thirst. And thirst is a good metaphor for how we should want that relationship with God. We should thirst for it. Some of us can say, oh, I hunger for a relationship with the Lord. Well, that's nice. But thirst is a lot more urgent. You want it. You know you can't live without it. And you, you begin to look for it everywhere. Well, this Samaritan woman, seeing that the Lord had read her heart and understanding that not only she, but all the Samaritans had not really been faithful to the God of the ancient covenant, she goes and preaches to her whole town. Using what? He told me everything I ever did. Using her sins as the way to preach, not her goodness. She doesn't go and say, you know, I have been known to be very charitable. And I had up all kinds of service organizations. And I've never missed uh, going to uh, the synagogue. She doesn't say that. She says, I really screwed up my life. You know how hard it was for a woman to get a divorce? Probably it was the five men who couldn't stand her. Because that was the way it was back then. Today a woman can ask for a divorce on the grounds of, uh, on various grounds. Then the only ground allowable 
was adultery. I highly doubt that she had married five adulterous men. Probably some of them couldn't stand her. She was not a nice person. Even her conversation with Jesus is not polite. He says, look, you don't even have a bucket. You're, you're telling me that you're going to give me living water? Where's your bucket, mister? She's a bit of a wisecracker. She's not a pleasant person. She uses her faults, her failings, her sins to say, look, this Jesus, he opened my eyes, he let me see who I really am so that I can change my life for the better. And the best thing is, he didn't reject me. He loved me. Now, you know, wells were a, an excellent place to meet your future spouse. Moses, Abram, Isaac, they all met their spouses at a well. Today, most people... Um, meet uh, their future spouses at a different kind of watering hole. Uh, but um, that's what, that was the meeting place. So what she met was the true spouse of her, of all of the people of Israel, and indeed of all humanity. And we celebrate the fact that no matter how unfaithful we are to the Lord, He is just waiting for us. He loves us no matter what. We are always the image of God. We belong to Him. And He's always waiting us to come back. Like Motel 6, he probably will leave the light on for us. And this is the light of our enlightenment, of our baptism. And that's why the Samaritan woman is called Futini, the woman of light. Amen. Vimea Otea, Isena, Isfetorul Duha, Amin. Hristos Vuscras! Christ is risen! Amen.